from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Even though we might not be surprised by the Fed minutes, that is clearly the highlight of the week. Uh, Beyond that, we'll just be continuing to follow the headlines in um, Eastern Europe. Uh, There are reports that, you know, Europe's going to stop importing uh, Russian coal, finding every sanction they can possibly find without um, imploding their economies over there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals with Ryan and Jeff. First things first, we're just going to get right to it. We have a champion in the house. We all knew he was a champion, but this is only further proof. Jeff, you did not sleep last night because you're Kansas Jayhawks or Kansas City Jayhawks, as they announced them in the um, at the end of the game of the trophy. Your Kansas Jayhawks are champions. How much did you sleep and how do you feel this morning? Yeah, I, uh, I got about... Um five hours so not bad uh you know i've been fortunate enough you know having grown up in that area seen a few championships recently and uh, look at you look at you you know i didn't have anything to do with it but seen a few (laughs) and uh it's really tough to go right to bed after you win it you know super bowl your team wins uh the world series you win this college basketball championship so you know you gotta you gotta watch the trophy presentation you gotta you know, kind of digest it all, talk mm-hmm. to friends. So yeah, I was I was asleep before too, but not much yeah. before. So you, listeners should not expect uh, too much uh, lucid insight from me today. Right. No, I mean, I think that's understandable. I and mean, you got to stay up for one shining moment, right? I mean, that's just uh, the ball is tipped. That's all I'm going to do. Is all I'm going to sing on this podcast. But that's just Thank such you. a great, such a great. You only hear this song like once a year, but it's such a such a great song. But yeah, congratulations there. I jumped on the Villanova bandwagon, but when their really good player got hurt, they were in trouble. And I, I said the whole time, I, I just felt like whoever won the other game, it was all UNC Duke. Felt like that. Uh, there was so much emotion and everything. You look at the second half, it just seemed like they ran out of steam a little bit. But Kansas deserved it. Congratulations, Jeff, to you and uh, all the all the Jayhawk fans out there. Pretty cool stuff. So we're going to get into it, uh, keeping with the basketball theme. We've got a few basketball themes today. We're going to do the LPL Research Final Four. This is always a very, very popular discussion we do this time of year, kind of four big things that really matter for stocks and which one matters the most. We're going to dive into that a good deal of this podcast and a little bit more on the yield curve. It is everywhere. Every turn around, people are talking about the yield curve, yield curve inversion, the 210 officially inverted on a closing basis on April Fool's Day last week. You can't make that up. And then we're going to do a little jobs review and Fed preview uh, for this week and whatever else we bring up as we as we talk for 30 minutes here. So, Jeff, on the YouTube channel, we are sharing, and I think it's one of the cooler images that um, that our partners of marketing creative, our creative team help us put together. But I'll, I'll lay it up and then let you, I'll get it, lay it up. I didn't even plan on doing that. We're keeping with the basketball theme here. Uh, we've got consumer spending. Uh, earnings, interest rates, and inflation as four things are final four that really, really matter for stocks the rest of 2022. Let's talk about consumer spending first, Jeff, and why that matters for stocks. Yeah, it's 70% of the economy, right? Based on gross domestic products. So what the consumer does is really, really important, especially with recession fears rising as the yield curve nearly inverts. I think it's... Mm -hmm marginally positive now on the two tens. So um, uh, it matters. Also, you know, the job market is, is in great shape. Wages are rising nicely that, you know, consumers have a lot of cash, strong financial position. So that should fuel uh, solid consumer spending. And then the last thing uh, there's this shift 
we've seen to, to consumer goods, right, during the yeah. pandemic. Well, that's that's reversing and going back to services as the economy opens up. So, you know, our chief economist, Jeff Roach, has been talking about this a lot. There is runway for consumer spending on services, right? We're talking about travel and leisure and those sorts of things, uh, even such things as haircuts. So everybody's going to be out there um, as the pandemic winds down, we hope and pray, uh, should, should uh, lead to above trend consumer spending growth in 2022. Absolutely. We did talk last week, our GDP forecast at LPL Research, we did lower it a little bit down about 3%, but that's still above the long-term trend and consumer spending still feels that way. Now, Jeff, let's dive a little bit into this. I keep seeing the Michigan consumer confidence number comes in every Friday, near 11-year lows. Um, one of the recent retail spending numbers came in a little bit on the weak side. I mean, we're, are we seeing some cracks in the foundation? Is it just kind of a lull because it felt like this winter in a lot of places just never ended, so people didn't get a chance to go out and spend? That's kind of the camp I'm in. I mean, what's your take on some of the recent weakening consumer numbers um, and how much it could impact the future? Yeah, well, we're going to get there here soon on our final four when we look at inflation, right? Yep, good point. Related to um, the war in Ukraine, inflation hits everybody, and that is weighing on consumer sentiment. That is likely to be uh, fairly short term. You know, I mean, we'll still have high inflation in a year, but it's not going to be 8%, right? So, you know, sentiment will improve as inflation comes down and energy prices uh, come down. Uh, but no doubt it's it, it's depressed right now. But you say it all the time, Ryan, you do it, follow what consumers do, not what right. they say, right. right? And what they're doing is spending it at a decent clip here. Yeah, I agree. So that's the Michigan consumer confidence number that comes out weekly on Fridays. But the monthly one that comes from the government, that big consumer uh, confidence number, oh, I think it was about a week or so ago, did come in a tad better than expected. So overall, consumer spending clearly matters. Big part of the economy. We would still say that's a big positive, probably, which should help stocks the rest of this year. Uh, earning. Let's go number two, Jeff. Earnings. You're the earnings guru. Just full disclosure. Earnings season starts off, what, like, in two weeks, I think, Jeff, two weeks, when to start? We're going to start to get some some reports next week. Yep. Okay. So, so real soon. <laughs> so so the, gonna... uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. The the, the banks, in fact, uh, well, we'll probably do our earnings preview in the weekly market commentary in two weeks, but okay. we'll start to get some names before that. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a good earnings season given the challenges, right? But the days of, you know, beating by 10, 15 points are over you know that's not a bad thing that just means you know we're gonna kind of go high single digits that's pretty good earnings growth at this stage of the cycle so consensus is five percent this quarter we'll probably do eight that's kind of the typical uh upside and then you know what's really impressive to me is that earnings estimates for 2022 continue to rise not much but they continue to inch higher and um you know, that that should bode well for the type of guidance that we get when companies tell us about their outlooks and then uh, certainly makes it more likely that we do get that high single digit earnings growth in 2022, despite the supply chain problems, labor shortages, wage increases, input cost increases uh, and, and all of that. Yeah, so Darden, this is not a recommendation, but Darden Restaurants, that's uh, what Olive Garden and Red Lobster, some favorites of the Dietrich household. Their same store sales are up uh, 38% year over year, way better than expected recently. And the CEO said, 
the consumer is very strong. That's just one example I'm aware, but kind of some of the themes we're talking about here where people are getting out, they're spending, uh, growing, that should potentially help earnings. But I love the point, Jeff, you said where earnings estimates, you just, if you just looked at the headlines this year, you'd probably not assume earnings estimates on the S&P 500 have ticked higher from where they were on January 1st. It's just kind of what it is, right? And we saw that last year. Last year, right, earnings were expected to be 165 when the S&P 500 came in closer to 210. That was a big, big beat, obviously, as the year went on, we realized, ah, oh, the economy's a little bit better than what most people thought. You know, so Jeff, again, you, for the full year, do you think earnings can hit, can hit double digits this year? They're up like, what, 50% last year. Um, how much can earnings grow this year, you think? Uh, double digits is going to be really tough. Um, okay. If if the S&P 500 can hit the estimates that are out there currently, it'll be really close, uh, right around that, that 10% number. But our forecast is more on the 6 to 7% range because, again, as you get later in an economic expansion and you get more inflation, margin pressure, right, uh, especially wage costs, it's, it's tough to expand margins. So margins probably pull back. Uh, and, uh, you know, revenue certainly will slow as the economy slows from last year. Still good growth, you know, mm -hmm. close to 3% probably on GDP in 2022, above trend, above the long-term average, or at least the last couple of decades, but uh, not going to get as much of a lift from revenues this year. Yeah. So Jeff, you did put the blog together last week on lplresearch.com and we're sharing the chart on our YouTube channel. I think it, to be blunt, one of the cooler charts I've seen us make in a long time. Um, so again, don't, don't sell yourself short given you didn't sleep much last night. This is a good chart. So what it shares, Jeff, is, you know, it's the S&P 500 earnings versus EFA earnings versus EM earnings. And again, for the listeners, US uh, or S&P 500 is kind of just from the bottom left to the upper right. Uh, recently, EFA, that's you know, Europe has kind of been choppy to sideways. EMs look like a roller coaster straight down. So my take is, well, the economy in the U.S. looks pretty strong. Take build on that, Jeff. Uh, what you see from the earnings front, looking globally here. Yeah, over time, we want to invest where the best earnings growth is and the best economic growth, right? And so mm -hmm. that's clearly in the U.S. So yep. that that's um, the first message here. The second message here, I think, is that EFA's really challenged right now by what's going on in Ukraine, Yeah. right? The dependence on Russian energy uh, and the inflation, they're just not in as good a shape economically to withstand uh, the, the crisis over there as the U.S. is. So uh, it makes sense that we've seen Europe and a little bit of Japan where they've seen kind of mixed performance. It makes sense that those earnings have weakened a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what I think is just amazing is just how steady the increase in U.S. earnings estimates has been. Yeah, I agree. Again, on the YouTube channel, you can see it or go to lplresearch.com. I believe it was last Thursday, Jeff put together this blog, but slow and steady uh, potentially wins the race is what we're going to say. So Jeff, uh, we've got two more things in the stocks 2022 final four, four, final four factors, according to the LPL research team. Next one is something we've heard once or twice about, interest rates, maybe mixing a little Fed policy. Tell me kind of why this stuff matters, Jeff. Yeah, interest rates certainly matter for your bond portfolios, as we all know. That's mm -hmm. the obvious one, right? If, as we've seen recently, uh, when rates move sharply higher, you can see some short-term paper losses, at least, in uh, your bond portfolios. So we all get that. But what's a little different about this situation is we, we have the inverted yield curve on the two-year, 10-year. We think the three-month, 10-year is more important to follow. There's academic mm -hmm. support for that. Uh, in fact, Chair Powell has said as much 
the Fed, so, uh, the Fed has said so much, exactly, multiple times. Yeah. Yes, multiple times. But we actually agree. They, they, the Fed wrote a paper over the, I guess it was maybe last week now, uh, a paper kind of defending that position. It makes sense. But just common sense suggests that, you know, what the bond market is telling you about the next couple of years matters more than what the bond market is telling you about 10 years. So um, we agree with that position to focus on the shorter term uh, tenors of the bond market as our fixed income strategist Lawrence Gillum refers to it. So, um, you know, we've got a steep three month tenure curve. So we don't think this is a very strong recession signal. You know, could we get a recession in a couple of years? Sure. But the yield curve isn't really, uh, at least the twos tens isn't really a powerful signal uh, in our view, at least not in the next 12 to 18 months. The, um, the last point on this is interest rates drive stock valuations, right? We wrote about that last week in the weekly market commentary. There's a very pretty tight relationship, frankly, between interest rates and PE ratios, price to earnings ratios, which are how stocks are valued. So, um, you know, the, the pullback recently certainly reflected uh, that um, that influence of rates on stocks. Uh, absolutely. And I know we did talk about that, I think, last week on this uh, very podcast. And Jeff, I do have some bad news. Maybe it's not bad news. Maybe somebody's happy. Uh, next week, I'm on spring break uh, with my kids, and I'll actually be in Denver with my daughter for a quick little trip. So I will not be on this podcast next week. So um, just start thinking now. I don't know anything. Lawrence, maybe? Or we can do it live on air. I mean, maybe... Maybe our new economist. I don't know. There's there's some there's some good options, but unfortunately sure. or fortunately, I won't be here next week. We've brought on our our director of research, Mark Zabicki, before. So we'll, yeah, there's we'll a lot of, of uh, lots of good uh, choices there. A lot of good choices. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll see. But anyway, so sorry about that, guys. But it is what it is. Gonna gonna enjoy some spring break. So with that, factor number four, inflation, which is clearly impacting all of us. We've seen you all see the same data that we do. CPI up around eight percent, give or take year over year. Producer level come back a little bit, but it's still historically high. I mean, we're, we're all experiencing this. Experiencing this, Jeff. Um, you know, but how much does inflation matter to stocks? Because here's my take. You mentioned earnings are higher. Uh, you know, a lot of that's because companies just increase what they're charging. I mean, Chipotle again, not a recommendation. I don't. I need to be blunt. I don't. I might be the only person that doesn't like Chipotle. I love Mexican food. I don't really like Chipotle. Probably because it's always packed. You get in there, it's crowded and it takes a while. And anyway, that's that's just me. But anyway, Chipotle. What have they said? We they've upped their prices a ton. You know what they said? It didn't matter. People want their burritos. So Jeff, it seems like you know higher inflation doesn't always hurt stocks, but clearly there's a breaking point. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Have you gone into one of like those local pizza joints and they have to like tape over the prices and write in the new prices? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I saw one of those over the weekend uh, and certainly there are a lot of those on Twitter. Or uh, you, know, you want to go down that rabbit hole. You know how a lot of them don't even have menus anymore. They do the QR code, you know, and you scan it. My theory is they're just upping the prices on behind the QR code every day and no one really notices. So think about that for a second. But anyway, yeah. So I hope, <laughs> hope you're not given any... Uh, small restaurant owners out there ideas because uh, the bookbinder household does a lot of takeout. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So, I hear you. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, inflation, we, we all get how it affects us day to day and it erodes your, your spending power, right? So going back to the consumer spending factor, uh, you, you need the wages and you need the cash in the, you know, in, in our checking and savings accounts, right, to be able to fund those higher prices. And right now, consumers can afford 
those those higher prices. But no doubt inflation is a problem. It's, I mean, it hasn't gotten any better, at least not yet. Uh, you've got the supply chain problems. You know, we already had an inflation problem before uh, the Russian invasion, and it's of course getting worse. We have labor shortages related to COVID. Uh, although labor participation is starting to come back, I think we're only a point down from pre-pandemic level. So it's it's getting there, but you know those early retirements probably aren't coming back. So there's but there's still some more uh, that we can squeeze out and maybe take a little bit of the pressure off of wages, mm-hmm. right? So you know I sort of pinned Jeff down and asked him, you know, what's kind of your point forecast for inflation at the end of the year? The Fed is in the low fours, and he doesn't even think, you know he didn't think that's going to be easy. <laughs> so you know, I think right. we wrote in the weekly commentary uh, for this week, you know, I think that I can't remember if the Fed forecast is 4.1 or 4.3. It's in the low threes. Jeff said that might even be tough. We might, add, we might still be, you know, four and a half at year end, uh, even though the Fed thinks we'll do a little bit better than that. So it's going to take some time. We'll have to be patient. Uh, but if the market can see through this very difficult inflationary period, to the you know the end of the year or into next year when this the, the numbers start to come down that should help uh, support investor sentiment. Absolutely, I mean you know, like as we speak, the S and P is less than five percent from all time high. I mean yeah, it's still down for the year. Yes, made that new all time high on the first trading day of the year. Then nearly a fifteen percent peak to trough correction intraday. If you listen to this podcast for a while, what are we saying? Be on the lookout for this year to be rocky, to be volatile, probably stocks higher when all said and done. There probably would be a 10 to 15% correction. Do we think it happened the first, you know, first four or five weeks of the year? Well, maybe not so much, but it happened, right? And again, inflation headlines are they're getting it and clearly the, the concerns over Ukraine, but these things kind of happen a lot of times for a reason. And you can kind of see it coming because it's a midterm year, historically midterm years, especially the first several quarters of a midterm year aren't always that great, especially if you gained 30% last year. So we're not minimizing the inflation part of things because it's impacting everybody. But from an investment stocks point of view, yeah, I think it's just, you know, look for an excuse to kind of blame the, the market volatility on when we were talking about this volatility several months ago. One other thing, Jeff, you mentioned 4.1, 4.3, the number 4.2 just popped in my head. Last week, I think it flew under the radar, in my opinion, um, the Fed data came out and said that U.S. consumers have a record 4.2 trillion with a T, trillion dollars in savings and money markets and checking accounts. That's a lot of money on the sideline. It's cliche to say money on the sideline, but that is a lot. Now it can go in a hurry. Don't get me wrong. The prices keep increasing. People are going to spend more, but there really is a lot of hopefully some cushion to help with these higher prices and some of the concerns that we do have for the intermediate term to get us through. Maybe it's just a, you know, last question, Jeff, but maybe then we'll go forward because this puts it all together. I hear about mid-cycle slowdowns, right? You know, late cycle, early cycle. I think we all agree we're not really early cycle. Maybe we're inching to late cycle, but is are we going to maybe just have a mid-cycle slowdown a la 94, 95? And then the thing, that's the perfect scenario, right? The yield curve nearly inverts or gets right about there. Slow down. You had some big bottom bear market 94 you had orange county blow up you had the russian ruble crisis uh, not russian ruble it was the mexican peso crisis you had some issues in the mid 90s mid-cycle slowdown and then things kept going up for a while i mean that's the that's the goldilocks scenario but w- what's your take on the economy economic cycle right here yeah the the, the odds favor this being a mid-cycle pause mm-hmm. and even if you're skeptical and you think the fed is going to cause a recession and end the cycle Yep. It's hard to say that they're going to do that soon when they've only hiked rates once, <laughs> right? That is yeah. a that's historically an early cycle marker, 
right? Or early to mid cycle marker. So we're not, we're not late cycle based on what the Fed's doing, certainly. Based on what inflation's doing, maybe we are. Yep. And you could argue that the two's tens is a little bit of a late cycle signal. You could argue that utilities yeah. and other defensive income-oriented stocks doing well, you could argue that's a little bit of a sign of a of late cycle. But those defensives tend to do well in mid-cycle pauses too, right? I mean, remember, just look at midterm years. We tend to get a 17% correction right. in midterm years. Of course, you're going to see defensive sectors of the equity market fare a little bit better in those types of downturns. So we're, we certainly are not in the uh, recession 2022 camp and you know probably not even in the 2023 camp, although certainly we recognize the risks are rising of a Fed mistake if they do squeeze, let's say, eight hikes into this year. Yeah, yeah good, good point. So uh, we, we've got, we talked a lot on that. We're going to move forward. Good discussion. So last week, um, I, I, if you watch this podcast, I, I was on a beach in Mexico, in, in essence. Um, and we had Shane Battier. And I'll just talk uh, quickly. He was the keynote speaker um, at the conference we did last week. Just a few I thought it was incredible speech. I mean, I'm not a big Duke fan, I'll be honest, um, but he was pretty, he was pretty cool. He said his best coach ever was his dad. He talked about how like coach gay, they never talked about winning. They just talked about hustle, hustle, hustle. He said his dad, this is like ingrained in him as like a four-year-old. He said, dad didn't get mad if they made a mistake. He said what his dad got really mad at was when they didn't run off the field, like baseball, football, like always be hustling, right? Always be running. He said Coach K was obviously very similar to that. He said, you know, Coach K's big thing at Duke was you had to look each other in the eye. You weren't ever allowed to talk to someone unless you looked them directly in the eye. And Coach K said, don't ever lie. Like if you ever lied to Coach K, you know, he's pretty open door policy. But if you ever lied to Coach K, you were in a big, big problem. And he gave a story one time where a freshman, I don't think he mentioned who it was, but he was a senior. He being Shane Batty was a senior. And the freshman overslept like a six o'clock workout, right? He said, then the next day, you know, they come in, they all got to run sprints. This guy missed it. You know, and he said, you know who Coach K yelled at? It wasn't the freshman. It was him. It was Shane Batty and some of the seniors because if you're the leaders of this team, you need to make sure everybody's here. So that was, that was pretty cool. He said his top players ever in the NBA he guarded against were Kobe, LeBron, Carmelo, and Ginobili. And he said that he said he could outthink any player because he just he, he admitted he like wasn't the most pretty athletic guy. But in terms of the NBA, he wasn't the most athletic guy. But he said he could outthink anybody. He said he would just he just had a way of anticipating and understanding the play before it happened. And that's what made him such a great, great player. He said Kobe Bryant was the only player he could never outthink. He said some of the battles they had in the playoffs and go back and look it up. It just was truly um. Truly, tr truly, he's the one guy who's just an incredible athlete, incredible player, but he couldn't outthink him. And that's why Kobe is you know, clearly one of the best players ever. Um, and yeah, those are my those are my takeaways. But it was, uh, you know, it's a little March Madness talk, um, but it was a really, really cool speech um, listening to Shane Battier last week down in Mexico. All right, Jeff, a little bit on the yield curve. We kind of talked about this already. We're going a little long. So let's, um, I'll just talk here. You know, I'm going to write a blog. We wrote a blog today, lplresearch.com on Tuesday on the yield curve on the yield curve, and I'm going to write another one tomorrow on the yield curve, just take a different angle on it. Um, you know, the bottom line is when these inversions have happened, by these inversions, I mean the 210. That's kind of the one everybody uses. Like you pointed out, Jeff, the 310 has been steepening. That's something that, you know, maybe this time is different. You hate to say that, but if the 310 hadn't inverted yet, we don't think the shot clock is a 24-second shot clock. Maybe the shot clock's a 45-second shot clock. But the returns, let me move one thing on my screen here. Um, you know, the, what's neat about it is recently, a year after inversions in 88 and 98, 2005 and 2019, stocks up 27%, 17%, 13 and 21%. Really strong returns a year later. You could say that in the 65 and 73 and 78 and 80, the returns weren't that great. 
after the yield curve inverted. So it's more recently, the yield curve inversions haven't necessarily been just an all risk off um, major, major warning sign. I mean, Jeff, when I see that, I am a little concerned though, because when I see the 70s, the 70s are high inflation. <laughs> That's one thing I'm thinking about. What were the 70s like to now? And, and, and returns weren't that great. Um, so let's kind of dive in why we're not super concerned that we're going to have a major negative return going forward. So Jeff, you mentioned the 310. I've seen JP Morgan with some cool reports come out that said, um, look at real yields factoring in inflation, right? They're, they're massively higher than where they were before previous recessions. Real yield curves have been steepening. Uh, whereas in 2006 and in 2019, real yield curves also inverted along with nominal yield curves like we're talking about. Any other differences now, Jeff? I mean, again, the four most dangerous words this time is different, but we are seeing some signs that say, ah, this is um, not as scary as maybe the market makes it sound, or maybe the media make it sound, right? Anything else jumps out at you? Yeah, well, this is certainly, as I mentioned, such a strong job market yep. for an inverted yield curve. Um, so that's that's one point, I think, key difference <clears throat> between now and the 70s. And then you have um, the prospects for inflation to improve, right? We didn't have that in the 70s. I mean, I wasn't in the business yet, <clears throat> but there was no, um, you know, no one sort of temporary factor that you said takes inflation from 10 to 2. Mm. <clears throat> now we have that. It's very different. Very different. I think inflation will be 2% in two years. Yeah. You know, people might be, I could be wrong. It's my personal opinion, not a house view, but I think that's very likely. And remember, we went through a decade just recently where we couldn't create any inflation, <laughs> right? right. These massive secular forces at play, putting downward pressure on prices. Those haven't gone away. Yeah, I mean, it's, we've shared this magazine cover before, but Business Week had a cover with a dinosaur, and poor little guy was dead. It said, is, is inflation dead? That was like the middle of 2019, right? I mean, it's funny how these magazine covers and sentiment, that was a, a low point in inflation. Now we've got massively high inflation. Um, i trying to see here. Um, our friends at Fun, Tom Lee over at Fundstat, Fundstrat, he does some really cool research. Tom pointed out there, are, there have been periods of real negative rates for like decades, okay? And you know what happened? And we've got real negative rates right now. You know what happened during those times? Pretty strong performance. For instance, the roaring 20s, you saw negative uh, real rates. And then from 42 to 58, you saw negative real rates for a long time. Those were actually periods we saw pretty strong stock performance along with strong economic growth. So again, there, there are some really unique things taking place. Now on the YouTube channel, I am sharing one final comment on this. Um, how quickly after an inversion does a recession start? Sure, it starts the, um, the clock, so to speak, but you're looking at about 19 months on average after the first 210 inversion before the next recession. This goes back to the uh, late 70s, early 80s. The last time we had the inversion in late August of 2019, and then six months later, a recession. Would we have gone into recession six months later if we didn't have the 100-year pandemic where we had to shut the economy down? Probably the answer is no, right? The economy was actually pretty strong in January of 2020, but the recession happened, so we're not going to ignore that. But again, that's got like an asterisk next to it because let's just knock on wood here. We're not going to have another 100-year pandemic that kind of knocks us off again. So really unique situations, but the yield curve is something we're aware people are talking about nonstop. So we're going to do our best to summarize it and check out lplresearch.com by the time you listen to this blog for a little of this podcast for a little more information on the yield curve. Jeff, we got only a couple minutes left, but some, some more. Okay, when I said I'm not on the podcast next week, that's not really bad news. It's probably good news for some people. This is bad news. Bruce Willis is having some um, health issues. And apparently he's retiring 
from making movies. Some of the most recent Bruce Willis movies, it looked like just kind of a cash grab. They were terrible. Even Bruce would probably admit that. But he's made some amazing movies over the years. Jeff, give me one or two of your favorite Bruce Willis movies. Oh, I, I got to go with Die Hard. It's probably right. cliche, you know, not yep. that creative, but uh, right. all of them were great, but especially uh, the first one with mm -hmm. the, um, well, what's considered the greatest Christmas movie of all time, right? Yes, well, that's fighting words, but Nakatomi <laughs> Palace, right? And they're trying to steal what? German bear bonds, I believe, is what, or bear bonds, something with bonds. That's what the bad guys are trying to steal. So uh, kind of a little financial uh, stuff in there as well. Um, any other besides just Die Hard? Because I think that's obvious. You got to have one more. Come on, one more besides Die Hard. Put you on the spot. Oh, man, you really put me on the spot. Um, so many. I mean, how about this? I'll go and then you can Okay, Sixth Sense. Yeah, there you go. You know, okay. that was, I mean, freaky, but good. A really entertaining yeah, absolutely. movie. Uh, and, and it really hit you with a curveball. I didn't mm -hmm. see that coming at the end. How about that well, one? Hold on. Yeah, well, that's that's another, that's a good one. Obviously, I'm saying Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and I'm saying Die Hard by far is my favorite Bruce Willis movie ever. But Lucky Number 11, that's what I was thinking of this. Like, that's kind of a more of an under-the-radar movie. But Lucky Number 11 was awesome and you talk about a curve you didn't see coming this one much like the sixth sense had a curve you ever seen that one jeff that ring a bell lucky number 11 no never seen it okay, it's awesome it's it, it's really 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 good so maybe a few listeners check that one out it probably came out 2005 or six or so um but he's 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 in it it's all i'll say really good movie with a twist you don't see coming and it's pretty cool anyway so so good luck to bruce willis um as he fights uh this fight he's made some awesome awesome movies so jeff we only got a few minutes left here um going a little long today but there's just so much fun stuff to talk about jobs review the jobs number actually i've got it somewhere was it 431 jeff you know the number off top there it is hey i was right Four hundred thirty-one thousand jobs created last month a little bit weaker than expected the good news ninety-five thousand jobs added the previous two months when they went back and looked things over and said oh guess the economy is a little bit better than we thought any other takeaways, Jeff, on the jobs number? It seemed like a Goldilocks number. Market took in stride. Well, what's your take with a couple of days to think about it? Yeah, well, you if you add the revisions, you nail the prediction. Yep. Well, if you true. don't, if you don't include revisions, then I was pretty close. Missed it by what 17,000 jobs. So I think yeah. we feel pretty good about ourselves. We should probably quit while we're ahead and not try to predict the jobs number ever again. Um, you know, yeah. I, I'll just re repeat it. The job market is in excellent shape. I mean, there's so many job openings, there's not enough workers yet to fill those openings, but we'll get more workers. Uh, it's not a demand problem, it's a supply problem. Uh, now, of course, a tight labor market concerns the Fed, so, you know, we can't dismiss the risk that we do get, you know, the eight or so hikes between now and the end of the year that I think the market's pricing in now. But um, yeah, another good number, we're north of a half a million jobs a month uh, for the last three months, and we'll probably get some more good numbers ahead. As again, this runway from services spending probably extends uh, for uh, a number of months more. Yeah, no, good stuff there. One final comment, wage growth was up 0.4%. This comes on the heel of wage growth up only 0.1% the month before. So, uh, so some other research uh, places, economists that I follow that I like said, hey, this is two months in a row where wage growth wasn't like soaring higher. Right. You can still say it's a blip, but April's a big deal. If we get another month of wage growth kind of being more overall contained. That's, again, maybe some baby steps in the right direction with this whole inflation uh, battle to see, to see some positives on the inflation and maybe inflation is closer to uh, potentially peaking. But good stuff there, Jeff. Um, the final thing we want to talk about is a Fed Minutes preview that comes out tomorrow on Wednesday. Jeff, and again, in my 
I've said this before, the minutes should just be a summary of what we all already know. Two times ago, the Fed minutes came out and it was much more hawkish apparently than anybody expected, even though we knew the Fed was hawkish then, whatever. It shouldn't be a surprise. Do you think there'll be any surprise in the Fed minutes on Wednesday? And what do you think it'll say? No, uh, it's it's hard to predict surprises with, with these. Yeah, they're just recapping the right. what we already know. Um, I guess what people will be looking for is, is, you know, will be hints as to how far they'll go, yeah. right? What's, what's sort of their... Um, you know, what people call the R star or whatever, the neutral rate, two and a half percent. Is it three percent? There's a lot of debate about that. Um, you know, that's where you get into the inverted yield curve that might matter. If two years from now, you know, the um, short term yield curves are or actually less than potentially a year from now, if the short term, right. long term, you know, short term yield curves are telling you that they've gone too far and something's going to break. Then you have an issue, but it's just going to take time. We'll probably get a couple 50 basis point hikes and maybe a series of 25 basis point hikes after that, maybe a late pause this year. But rates are going to be north of 2% by the end of the year. And I think anything that we hear from the Fed minutes that suggests that maybe it's going to be higher than 2%, uh, I think the market will be very interested in. Yeah, we had a team meeting, I guess it was yesterday, and Lawrence Gillums brought up the fact, again, fixed income strategist on the team, that, you know, this could be, these minutes could actually give a little more clue as to the, the runoff, right? The balance sheet runoff, is there going to the $9 trillion balance sheet, how quickly they're going to let that runoff, what they're going to do with it. And Lawrence Gillum said, you know, the Fed has hinted, maybe outwardly said that, you know, you do a big enough runoff, that could be considered a rate hike or two, you know, so we'll, we'll see. So those are some things we're going to follow and, uh, and, and take a look at. Um, good, Jeff, yeah. the final, oh, go ahead. What was that, Jeff? No, really good point on the balance sheet. That, that really matters and sounds wonky, but definitely yeah. need to pay attention to that. Well, we can thank Lawrence for that. I, ne I never would have thought of that. So that's, that's why we're a team. But I will say one final thing, Jeff, and I'll let you talk about the rest of the week. I mentioned the uh, show on HBO, Winning Time, the show of the 1979-80 Lakers uh, I think there's four or five episodes in. Guys, if you're not watching it, it's awesome. If you like basketball, it's not even that much about basketball, honestly, it's, it, but it's really cool, the story of the Lakers and they drafted Magic Johnson and everything. So I mentioned that a while ago. So if you can't watch a new Bruce Willis movie, check out Winning Time on HBO. Jeff, so the next couple of days this week, what are going to drive markets? And we're going to sign off. Uh, even though we might not be surprised <clears throat> by the Fed minutes, that is clearly the highlight of the week. Uh, beyond that, we'll just be continuing to follow the headlines in um, Eastern Europe. Uh, there are reports that, you know, Europe's going to stop uh, importing uh, Russian coal. Uh, they're, they're finding every sanction they can possibly find without um, imploding their economies over there. Uh, so, um, you know, we'll hope and pray for a ceasefire here soon, but this certainly could be drawn out and um, may keep commodity prices elevated here for months, not weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some of the recent headlines, just to you keep hoping we're going to hear better news and you hear there's potential positives and you see the headlines and things that are still happening. It's just still devastating. So it's uh, uh, let's just hope and pray we can get through that um, very, very soon. So so honestly, I think the, the bottom line is this week's kind of calm, right? Calm before the storm. Earnings season's not all too far away, so we'll get more into that. But a nice, hopefully, a relatively calm week, and hopefully everybody's uh, moving okay after a late night of watching Jeff's Jayhawks win. What is it? The third? How many championships do they have, Jeff? Is it three? What, what, what do they see? Um, I think they have four now. Okay. Uh, I, I uh, witnessed three of them. Because one of them was 60 years ago. Yeah. Well, 
There you go. Understood. That's and the the Bill, how many does Bill Self have? How many, how many has they done with new coach? He's not, I mean, not just, new anymore, but. Just two. two. Uh, okay. 08 and uh, against uh, Derek Rose and oh, Memphis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Calipari yeah. <laughs> coach then. And then wow. this one. So uh, he's 2008. Uh, we don't want to extrapolate that again. Let's just, let's just ignore, let's avoid that. My goodness. But no, anyway. So, all right. Well, th thanks Jeff for a fun conversation. Thanks to Neil, our producer as always. And thanks to everyone out there. who keeps listening. Oopsie. Oopsie. Uh, thanks to everyone out there. who keeps listening to this uh, podcast. We've hit some huge numbers uh, the last couple of months. So thank you for that. You guys keep listening. We'll keep doing it. I will not be on next week. We'll have a mystery guest along with Jeff, and I should. If all goes well, I'll be back in two weeks. So everybody have a great week, and, um, you know, I guess baseball season's next, right? So we'll see. What, who's your baseball team, Jeff? Then we'll sign off. Who's your baseball team? Oh, I grew up in Kansas City, so I got to root for the Royals. Well, I'm a Denver. Reds guy, which, oh, boy, we're not going to talk about that. So They got an uphill we'll, battle. We'll, yeah, we'll find something else to talk about. All right, everybody, have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.